Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Friday, November the 9th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we put a wrap on the pregame preparation for the Green Bay Packers, break down Xavier Howard's game, answer your Twitter questions, and I'll give you my college picks for the weekend. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast from. That helps us out so much, so we really appreciate that. Follow me on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. And of course, check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We have the Friday feature on Xavier Howard up live right now with my video breakdowns of his game technique and everything you want to know about the Dolphins' third-year cornerback. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. We have some injury news to get to first before the podcast, so let's bring on the Mad Dog. And as he does, the Jim the Mad Dog Mandich brings us into the injury reports from Thursday's practice. And the news for most of these teams' star players or potentially good players that were thinking about maybe missing the game has come back positive. It sounds like Blake Martinez, as well as Brian Bulaga, will play in the game for the Green Bay Packers, though they should be down cornerback Kevin King. As far as the Miami Dolphins go, Adam Gaze mentioned Laramie Tunzel and Juwan James as both being sore and banged up all week. It's going to be a long road for them to get back, but they do expect both of those guys to get back and play on Sunday. And as you guys know, their availability basically is the Dolphins' only hope of winning this game on Sunday. And what's also encouraging is it sounds like Charles Harris has a chance to get back onto the field and play this Sunday. He has not played since the Week 5 loss against the Cincinnati Bengals. Four straight games missed for Harris in what was supposed to be a big evaluation game for the second-year pass rusher defensive end out of Missouri. We need to find out about Charles Harris a lot in the next six, seven weeks here to close out the season. He really has to show a lot more for the Dolphins to put faith in him as the leader of the charge at that defensive end position group. I think they could bring back Wake and Quinn next season. It could happen, but they definitely have to put some more resources into the defensive end position. It is getting thinner and thinner as the years go along with Cam Wake getting older, and they're going to have to find out whether or not Charles Harris is a part of that future. And speaking of the future for this Miami Dolphins team, there's another update on Ryan Tannehill, and it doesn't sound good. The guys over at the 3 Yards Per Carry podcast, Chris Kaufman, has been on this story since the beginning, and he says that there is a slight tear in the labrum for Ryan Tannehill, and they expect that he will not return this season. So we may have seen the last of Ryan Tannehill in a Dolphins uniform, and quite frankly, that it just sucks. It sucks that it had to end this way. If it does end that way, we'll find out more confirmation about that being the case later on, probably after the bye week. But as for now, we still have a Packers game to get ready for. Whether it's Brock Osweiler, Ryan Tannehill, or Jay Cutler, we'll t- cover the games for you here on Lockdown Dolphins Podcast. Let's go ahead and do first down. That's another Miami Dolphins. 
You guys know by now these Friday podcasts. It's kind of the end of the week. We do our final preparations as far as getting ready for the game coming up on Sunday. And just some final notes on the Packers and how the Dolphins match up. I, you know, I don't want to be negative and continue to beat this drum that this team isn't going to have an opportunity to find a win in this game. I think it will be very difficult. The fact that they are 10-point underdogs in a t- against a team that they have two more victories then is very telling of where both the public and the league view this team as far as their long-term prospects for winning games and eventually making the playoffs this season. But as far as the Dolphins go, the, the talent discrepancy from the Packers and Dolphins really isn't that far off, even when you consider all the injuries that Miami has. How else would the Aaron Rodgers-led Packers be under 500? It's kind of absurd, and it also kind of points to the idea that maybe having just a franchise quarterback isn't always enough. The only one that's been impervious to poor rosters around them and playoff pushes with those poor rosters seems to be Tom Brady and how much of that has to do with Bill Belichick. We saw Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints go seven and nine, three consecutive years with one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, in my opinion, and one of the current best coaches and offensive minds in Sean Payton. So, you know, a great quarterback doesn't protect you from being bad. And the Packers are a good example of that. However, in this game, the matchups do seem to favor the Packers in a lot of ways, but one matchup I do like is Xavier Howard on whoever he covers because of three traits that he exhibits every single week, and they've only gotten better as the years have gone on, as the weeks go on, as the games go on. And those three traits are this. His technique, almost flawless. He is always in great position, whether he's mirroring the route, getting that inside hand jam, which for me is his best technique trait he has, locking up the inside receiver's shoulder on the slant, anything that crosses face on Howard. He is so physical and so strong and so sturdy in his base, out of his back pedal, in his crouch, whatever it is, he is always in position to make a play, to drive on the football, the instincts to recognize zone coverage. I put a video up on the Friday feature, the very last one against the Chicago Bears, where he chucks Taylor Gates. Gabriel and then falls back into his cover two responsibility and takes out two more routes. Three receivers on one play he takes out because of the technique and his second trait that I love, the physicality. He is a strong physical cornerback that wants to get his hands on you and he'll do it. And once he does, you're pretty much done for the day, done for that particular route, that particular play. He will get flagged a little bit too much, but because of that physicality, he wins a lot. And as a result, the targets going his direction are dissipating every single year. His rookie year, it was seven targets per game. Last year, it was five targets per game. Now he's down to four targets per game from the opposition. Teams are starting to find respect for the Houston native, the Baylor grad, the 38th pick in the draft in 2016. He has come a long way in his ability. And that third trait, is the playmaking skill on the ball, the ability to track the football and find it and make a play on it. He has shown that time and time again. He has a ton of interceptions going back to the end of last season. And I continue that play to continue to progress for him just to get better going deeper into his career. And I do expect that Miami will lock him up long-term, if not this summer, definitely the summer after that. Probably do it this year and save yourself a little bit of money as well as heartache and it's not having to deal with negotiating against other teams as he hits free agency after 2019. So the Friday feature up on LockedOnDolphins.com talking about Xavier Howard. I have eight videos breaking down his play. I have pro football focus grades and numbers up there. So you guys check that out on LockedOnDolphins.com. And next on the podcast here, we're going to do all your Twitter questions. If you ask me a question, I'm going to answer it next on the podcast at Wingful NFL at LockedOnFins.
Almost time for the weekend, almost time for football, but before we do that, here on the Friday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, November the 9th, Travis Wingfield with you guys here as always. We have some Twitter questions to get to, as really there aren't a lot of topics to discuss at this point in the week. I already broke down the game yesterday. You can go back to Wednesday's podcast to find my chat with Peter Bukowski, the Locked On Packers host, to get some news on the other team, the intel on the enemy, if you will. So let's get to your Twitter questions because I have been been terrible about answering these last few weeks. As you guys know, the game day podcast or the game week podcast have a lot more information than the off season. So I've had to find time to get to these. And today we have the time. So the first question here comes from Sean Snoozer at Sean Snoozer. Easy enough with Rashad playing again, TJ having his best game yet and Bobby back to slot corner. How will Minka be able to see the field more? Some outside cornerback. That was the plan last week. That was where he started the game off on the outside cornerback position last week before Rashad came out of the game. I think you'll see more of that. I think you'll see him play some big nickel in situations. And I think you'll see him play for either Rashad or TJ in a rotation back there like they wanted to do all along. So I think Minka is going to play a lot as well. He should. He has been one of the premier players on the Miami Dolphins this year. Next question comes in from El Cid Ciento 33 at skip underscore 1951. Do you think it's time for gays to give up play calling duties and only add input as needed? Perhaps stay equally involved with all phases of the game. I wouldn't mind seeing it at this point. I was very strongly against it from the beginning because I thought that that was the best trait that he had was his ability to call plays and have a feel for the game. And throughout the course of the game, he does adjust very well. And I don't want to lose that. So I think my answer to that question would be no, but allow Dowell Loggins to have more input on the 15 play script. Maybe let him dictate the 15 play script and try to get out to some faster starts and score some touchdowns early in games and put the pressure on the opposing offense and defense rather than having that pressure on your defense all game, almost every single game, it seems. Next question comes from George Stoneman at George Stoneman. Again, easy enough. Say Tannehill is done for the year. Do we all do we go all out on Bridgewater in the spring or give 17 one more year, but trade down in 2019 and give ourselves the ammo to attack the 2020 class and get the guy we want? I I'm pretty confident it's going to be Teddy Bridgewater next year. I've heard some rumblings. I've done my research and found out that I think that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be your opening day starter in 20. 20- 2019 for the Miami Dolphins, but I think they'll also address it in the draft as well. The two guys that I'm really onto right now are Tyree Jackson, the Buffalo quarterback, and WSU's Gardner Minshew. Those are my two favorite quarterbacks for the Dolphins to come down and possibly be a long-term project or maybe even a future starter or even a current backup for the Miami Dolphins. So Teddy Bridgewater and then some combination of Tyree Jackson and Gardner Minshew. Next question here comes from Bill Crowley at Bill Crowley 9491. I hope I said that right. If we pull off a minor miracle in Green Bay, could the show focus on the season rather than potential upgrades, new coaches, etc. since there'll be lots of time for that come January? Absolutely. And I think I've been trying to do a better job of being more mixed on that because you know, half the fan base does want to hear about the future because they don't have a lot of faith in this team this year. And rightfully so. Brock Osweiler is the quarterback. But yes, I have been doing playoff segments on the show this week, Bill, and I'll continue to do that if they beat the Packers. I'll continue to do it even if they don't beat the Packers because I think that Colts game is the hinge game that really can decide whether or not we're still in the race or if we have to pull back and start thinking about the draft. Next question here comes from CJ at CJILFF underscore 41. I know the film is limited, but can Grant be a plug and play for Wilson going forward? If not, what is the difference between the two players? 
I've long thought that he should be the guy that they're kind of replacing Albert Wilson with, but that hasn't been the case. They've used Devontae Parker a lot more instead of Jakeem Grant, but I think the mental aspect of the game for Grant is where he comes up short compared to Wilson. Wilson's always where he's supposed to be. He's a heady player. Jakeem Grant has ran the wrong route several times this year. He hasn't been able to do a lot of things they've asked him to do. Of course, that is a question in its own right because I think they ask him to do more things that he shouldn't be doing anyway, like the play against the Bengals where he had to cross face on a slant route. That's not Grant's specialty. That's not his prowess. So get him away from doing those things. Have him burning up the field more and throw more damn screen passes to him. The guy is electric. Get him the ball in space. Absolutely, they should. Will they? I don't think so. Next question here comes from Job Green at Jobber73 with Ted Larson impersonating a turnstile. Do you see any of the backup guys getting a chance to unseat him? Jake Brendel, etc. I think that Brendel will have a chance to get back onto the field when he comes back. I think he's probably the most likely to get out there. I know everybody is in love with Isaac Asiata, even though he's pretty terrible in the preseason. His technique is just awful, and he really doesn't have a good base. He doesn't understand stunts. He's going to get a quarterback killed if he plays on Sunday, so I'm completely against that, completely opposed to Asiata. I wouldn't mind seeing Wesley Johnson get a crack, but I think you're right. I think Jake Brendel is the one that has the best chance to get onto the field. Next question here from Finns Nation Zeke at Positive Fin Fan. Does Jones self-sitting and Minka playing safety well make it easier for the Dolphins to get out of Jones' contract next year? 19 million is a lot. Not sure what our cap or already paid, but that needs to go no matter how much we love Jones. What's best? Move on, trade, or rework the contract. Yeah, I think I read somewhere, uh, John Clayton, I believe it was, mentioned that because of Rashad's actions, the Dolphins have the opportunity to void his contract. And if they can... It's it sucks. It's hard to say because he's been so good for this team for so long, but I wouldn't mind seeing it just because I think he's he's making a lot of money. He's oft injured. That shoulder seems like a ticking time bomb to me. And, you know, if he doesn't agree with the philosophy or the scheme and everything going on with Miami, then it's best just to move on because this team probably isn't going to compete for championships in the next year or two. If they do, then it's great to have him. But if not, you're really kind of just holding him back and paying him money really to kind of be a progress stopper for Minka Fitzpatrick. So I think that the best way to do it would be to trade him, get rid of that contract, and hopefully get some compensation back from him. But we'll see. We've got a long way to go before that happens. We'll see how the year plays out, and I'll have a better answer for you as that goes along. Next question here from Octavio Mendez L at Octo84. Is there a big difference in what we can do with the offense between Osweiler and Fells? Is Fells that far behind Brock in play recognition and knowledge of the playbook? Because just from physical ability, Fells is greater than Osweiler, in my opinion. I think both guys are extremely limited from a physical standpoint, so I don't think the comparison there is really that apt. I, I mean, you can you can make your argument there, but nonetheless, both of them are very physically limited. As far as the knowledge of the playbook, I really can't tell you because I've only seen Fails play that one game last year and then, of course, the preseason games. But I just think the familiarity with Osweiler in the offense is going to be better for Gaze going forward. He's a trust guy. We all know that. I think he trusts Brock more than he trusts Fails, which is saying a lot because he doesn't doesn't really trust Brock all that much either. That's not a great answer for you, so I apologize for that. But I just think it's pretty, pretty cut and dry that Osweiler is a clear step ahead of David Fails. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and pay some bills here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, the November 9th, Friday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. We'll be back with more Twitter questions after this at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. It's Friday. We got football ahead for the weekend. You got some days off, no more work for at least a couple of days. 
and we're taking more Twitter questions here on the Friday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast and picking it right back up with Dan underscore B underscore Finn underscore fan, and he is at the same handle on Twitter. You believe that Tannehill is done for the season after sources shared that he may have a torn labrum. Any validity to that? I have nothing more than what Chris Kaufman has for you guys. He has been on top of the story all along. He's a great follow. He and I go way back. We've shared data on different research stuff. So check him out. He'll have that information for you. I would trust what he's saying. And that's really all I can say about that. Next question here comes from John P. He's at NaveGuyNY. Will Robert Quinn finally get some sacks? Not this week. I think David Bakhtiari is one of the best left tackles in the NFL, and I think he will blank Robert Quinn in this game. The big matchup for the Dolphins, though, is on the other side of the football. Cam Wake had one of his best career games against Brian Balaga, the Packers' right tackle, though that was about eight years ago. So we'll see what happens there, but I think their best bet is Cam Wake getting Balaga. And then the final question here from Joshua Saladino, at Saladino 24 I hope I pronounced that right. I'm sure I butchered it. You mentioned Bowles coming back to be the defensive coordinator. What about Vance Joseph if he is also fired? Well, the year that Vance Joseph was here in charge of the Miami Dolphins, and granted, they did have a bunch of street free agents on that defense, Bakari Rambo being the one most notable. They were the worst defense in Miami Dolphins history that year. So I'm not all that interested in Vance Joseph. I think he's a little bit outside of his realm as far as the head coach. And I think I would probably just step back in terms of having him come back and be a DC right away. I I mean, he's going to get a job somewhere, but personally, I think we've done there, been that, and I'm just not really looking to retread back in his direction. Now, Todd Bowles, I mentioned him because he did have success in Arizona. He had some success when he was the head coach in Miami for a few games. And I know that he kind of lost the locker room, lost the team in the Jets. But I think if he can come back and coach a defense, he would be the guy to go after. All right. So it's Friday and that means we have some college picks to give out here in the podcast. I've been picking things up a little bit lately. Four and two last week, won a game midweek, taking a Mac over on Tuesday night. And if you guys saw that video I put on Twitter of the punter kicking the ball one yard, that is a classic. Mac punting is the best thing about football. It is my weekly comedy. I absolutely love it. Taking those Mac overs feels like a sure thing too. But here are seven more bets that they're not sure things, but I feel confident in them. And those picks start off tonight on the blue turf in Boise. Fresno is traveling to Boise and the the home Broncos are getting three points. Take the blue turf Smurfs. On Saturday, Ohio State is giving three and a half points to a less talented Michigan State team. Give me the Buckeyes all day long in that one. Also a favorite, Florida, six and a half points over South Carolina. Give me the Gators there. UCLA is getting 12 and a half points, and I know they're awful, but Arizona State wants to play close games into the fourth quarter and then win the game late. I like the Bruins to keep it within two touchdowns in that game. Michigan is giving 39 points to Rutgers. Rutgers' third-string quarterback is the one starting. They have been awful all year, every week, and I expect that to continue. Take the Wolverines minus 39 in that game. Northwestern is getting 10.5 points at Iowa. Iowa's offense is not that great. Hopefully Noah Fant stays in check, but Nate Stanley is bad. Clayton Thorson is better. Give me the Wildcats plus the 10.5 in that one. And then the, the Saturday night primetime game is Boston College and Clemson. I hate going against the Blue Bloods like Clemson, but Boston College is getting 20 points. It's supposed to be rainy and cold there, and they have a good running game. So give me the Boston College Golden Eagles to keep that one close and make it within 20 points against the Clemson Tigers. So those are my college picks for the weekend. 
And that is going to be the Friday podcast, my time for the show this week. Guys, we'll be back with you on Sunday for the recap edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday morning for another edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up.